never heard of or maybe I've heard ATI, but I don't know what they do. So hopefully they have a better idea of what this is. I hope so too. Thank you so much for having us and for Doug for bringing bringing me here as well and and being part of our program. So thank you. You can go to ATIToday.org or Deborah says that their Facebook page is very active. So she encourages you to go there. Deborah, thank you so much for making you. your way in. I'm happy that we had this opportunity to get to know you and ATI as much as we did right now. And I wish you a good evening. Thank and you. And a good rest of the summer. We are going to wrap up our community check-in interview because it's time for Let's Talk Vets. Support comes from you and from Van Gorder's Furniture, featuring Lodge and Adirondack styles, as well as rustic collections with showrooms at Lake Wallenpapak, downtown Honesdale, and Milford, Pennsylvania. Van Gorder's Furniture brings the outdoors inside. VanGorders.com. It is 7 o'clock. Let's Talk Vets is on deck here. We have a special edition pledge drive version. Doug is here in the studio. We'll be chatting with him for a few minutes and hearing what he has to um, share with us for this evening. Otherwise, I want to tell you that this is WJFF Jeffersonville and W233AH Monticello. We are member supported. We are in the middle day number six of our summer pledge drive. Looking for your call of support. We have $40,000 folks to raise before we stop asking for it. We just crossed the $10,000 mark sometime this afternoon. So we are 25% there. We have some work to do, some rallying to do. If you haven't made a donation yet, consider what you can afford. $10, $100, $1,000. You decide the level and call us right away. 845-482-4141. Support comes from you and from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York. Riverreporter.com. Support comes from you and from Wayne Memorial Hospital and Wayne Memorial Health System. More than 200 health care providers serving residents in Wayne, Pike, and eastern Lackawanna counties in Pennsylvania and the upper Delaware region of New York State. WMH.org. Looks like tonight will be partly cloudy, dropping to 69. Thursday, we do have a chance of rain and thunderstorms. Temperature around 79. Same for Thursday night. Thunderstorms and rain continues Friday, slight chance of shower, temperature around 80. At this point, Saturday and Sunday are both looking mostly sunny. Temperature in the low 80s. Hi, I'm Greg Triggs from Travels with Triggs, and if you're like me, always on the move, then you have to get the WJFF app for your mobile device. The WJFF app is available from your Apple or Android app store, and it's the best way to keep your community radio station with you no matter what community you find yourself in anywhere in the world. So if you don't have the WJFF mobile app, get it now and take us with you wherever you go. Doug, I got it. I got hey, it. Yeah. I got the right music. And, and, I got and, it. And you did have it. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> well, it's the second Wednesday of the month. It's 7 o'clock. We're in Jeffersonville, so... It's only one thing to do. It's Let's Talk Vets. Good evening. This program is produced by Vets, for Vets, and I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg, USAF, 1968 to 1972. Our mission is simple, to provide news, entertainment, and information of particular interest to area veterans, active service members, and their families. Tonight we're going to spend some time with author, photojournalist Mike Walsh about a, an about-to-be-published book that he has written, A Means to Heal, and we'll keep you in suspense and tell you a little bit more about that. One caveat, you just heard uh, from Deb Warden at ATI, we were supposed to have uh, an interview with her veterans peer advocate, which I have already to go, 
but due to time constraints and the pledge drive, we had to cut that out a little bit. So that'll be next month. We'll hear all about the service dog program. And again, we'll recap what ATI does. They are a, a remarkable agency. So first, before we get into anything else, here are some dates of note for July. We only have a few. July 4th was Independence Day. The 27th will be Korean War Veterans Armistice Day. And the 29th is the anniversary of the Army Chaplain Corps. And as Andrea said, we're in the middle of a pledge drive. We're at the beginning of a pledge drive. So we need your help if you want programs like this and features like the one you just heard to continue. We all need to do a little bit. And if everybody does a little bit, then we get the job done. 845-482-4141. Help us out. Doug, let me pipe in here. First of all, thank you so much for bringing this special program to our airwaves. Um, it's over 12 months now. This is our this is our anniversary. Oh. <laughs> Happy this, anniversary. This is 12 months. Wow. Yeah. 12 months goes quick when oh, man, you're working hard, all the mis- learning new skills. All the mistakes. See, but that's good. <laughs> Those are your synapses firing, <laughs> learning and learning, growing. You thought you had it all figured out by this point yeah. when you walked in yeah, yeah yeah but you were brave enough to take on these challenges yeah that's good it's but a it's a fabulous show it definitely serves a need that we were not serving before you were able to do it it's it's so rich for our lineup and we hear it all the time that people appreciate what you do both vets and people related to vets but just everybody because it's such an, an important population that if you don't have a direct connection, you're able to explain that to us. Well, and I think we, we do some education along the way. If you haven't been a... In, Absolutely. In, if you're not a vet, um, or perhaps you're a family member of a vet, nobody understands a vet unless you're a vet. <laughs> so uh, I think we, we help educate people as well. Now, as far as the pledge drive goes, of course, I said in the top that we have a responsibility here to fill our bank account with the money we need (laughs) to keep the radio station going. And because we're member supported, we ask for listeners to become members. Give what you can. We put it all in the same pot and we pay the bills together. So this is one of those times, three times a year that we come on, we break into programming, we give the phone number and ask for donations. So we'll be doing that throughout this hour and every hour until we get to the goal. (laughs) 845-482-4141. And just to sweeten the deal, yeah. our good friend Don Roper in New Paltz will match $250 for this hour Okay, if well, we can match it. Well, we'll take up where we left off the last time we did this with Dan. Okay. And Dan, <laughs> we, we had one there, too, and Dan bet the vets. Bet the vets? Bet the vets that they, that they, that they wouldn't do it, that they couldn't do it. Really? So... <laughs> Dan challenged all that. the vets in the country. Yeah, and I and I think he looks over his shoulder when he leaves at I night bet. to make sure that there's no vets hiding in the weeds. But um, no, seriously. And Dan's our manager. Oh That's yeah, I'm so sorry, Dan Rigney. Yeah. So um, it's it is a challenge, and I think we're up to it. And uh, I'm a sound supporter myself, um, and 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 it's a great way to go, but. Again, it's a, it, it's the point that these shows, we have the opportunity to dig into these topics. Correct. In depth, we're not encumbered by um, 20 minutes of commercial content every hour. So we can really take this right up to the 59 mark mm-hmm. and, and, and just give you the information we give. And we, we try to make this pretty wide-ranging, and it is. So we do have $250 on the table being offered us from Don, and we don't take that from Don unless others can match it. So the right. phone lines are opened, 845-482-4141. If we can raise $250 with your help before 8 o'clock, then we'll add $500 together. So we're looking for that first caller as we continue with help the programming. Us con- help us continue to help the vets by getting the word out, and we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, I think you're going to find this very interesting. Uh, Mike Walsh, I was given a phone number at the last uh, Veterans Coalition meeting. Somebody had contacted them. Mike Walsh had contacted them. 
and he has put together a book called A Means to Heal. And on the surface, this book is uh, a photojournalistic record or a list of some 258 Vietnam memorials in all 50 states. But as you're going to hear, we've got to divide it into two parts. Uh, what started out as a list with pictures uh, really became a labor of love and devotion. Only someone who personally served, as they say, in-country at Vietnam could do justice to. And while it may have started as a way to honor some 58,000 men and women who made the ultimate sacrifice, it became much more for Mike and those who have been touched by this work of honor. Greetings, Mike. Welcome to Let's Talk Vets. Good morning, Doug. Nice to be here. Tell us a little bit about who was Mike Walsh in 1966. Well, uh, to the extent that I have any knowledge of that at all, I was a 19-year-old high school graduate uh, without a clue about anything. Uh, ended up getting drafted uh, in September and uh, went off to Fort Bragg and did my basic training there. The the journey to to that point and then from then on has has been interesting in in that you learn something along the way you hope and that's uh but at, but at 19 you know i was just a crazy kid who would have rather been out doing something else <laughs> a typical 19 year old huh absolutely okay so after going through what was it eight weeks of training um it was yeah i believe it was eight weeks mm -hmm. You kind of worked up through training and what you were told, what you expect when you when you go. And did you know at that point that you were going to Vietnam? Well, mm -hmm. everything was prefaced with when you get to Vietnam. So, so it was not not a shock when those orders came uh, sometime down the road. So given the uh, run-up to Vietnam and your training and what you were told during training, how did that line up with reality when you actually got in country? Well, it was it was a shocking kind of experience to get there for me because we landed in Tonsonut, got off the airplane, and as we're coming down the steps, a firefight broke out, and there are flares going off, and there are tracers everywhere, and noise, and and you know we're standing there, of course, completely unarmed in in you know summer class A's and not having a clue what to do or uh, where to run, if you will. And what was interesting to me, as I look back on it, is the lieutenant who met us at the foot of the steps was rather, you know, kind of bedraggled, tired-looking. He was not the least bit concerned about this firefight. And, so, and somebody in our group said, what, what, what about that? What about that? What's going on? He says, oh, that's over there. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so it was, it was just mind-boggling. Uh, I think like every other vet who set foot in Vietnam, the thought went through my head, what have I gotten myself into? But I think maybe for this particular group of guys that I was part of, that moment may have come sooner than for some other guys. Uh, we were literally not off the plane when it started. Um, and they proceeded to process us, put us, on, put us on a bus, and ship us out. It was, it was absolutely stunning to me. A very stark difference between a guy just getting in country and somebody who's been there saying, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so what was, what was your, what'd your job turn out to be in Vietnam? Well, I was trained at Fort Eustis, Virginia, to be a boat operator. Uh, the, the Army at, at the time had more boats than the Navy. They didn't have battleships and stuff like that, but they had uh, everything from amphibious vehicles up to 600-foot freighters. Now, I was trained on everything from the amphibious up to seagoing tugboats, which are the big tugboats that handle the large freighters, though I actually never served on one of those. That was my training. When I got to Vietnam, that pretty much all went out the window because the uh, boat I was assigned to a few weeks after we got there got sent to dry dock in the Philippines. And we all thought, oh, great, we're going to the Philippines. We don't have to stay here. <laughs> but that was that was not the case. Um, the boat went and we stayed. So for a while, we did any job they could find for us to do. 
and then ultimately we made it on to a variety of different uh, watercraft, and I ended up going up and down the, the Mekong River delivering uh, perishable goods and 1,000-pound bombs, which I always thought was an interesting contrast. Uh, we towed barge after barge after barge of bombs down the river to deliver uh, to places like uh, Dong Tam and Kanto, where they had air bases. Um, so I eventually did get to do a little bit of what I was trained to do, but uh, I also must have had eight or nine other temporary jobs while I was there. So I got to be everything. from I was a non-commissioned officer in charge of ice production for a while, and i got to tell you, that was a job worth having. <laughs> in Vietnam, absolutely. Yes, exactly. Uh, I always say it was probably one of the, one of the best jobs you could have but as i say it was temporary and not only do you get to stay a little cool you're an important guy well it was funny because everybody had a ration and uh we often made more ice than we needed for the ration and everybody knew this so trucks would pull up and some guy would say hey i bought you some tacos from the nco club <laughs> And, you know, hoping that I would remember them the next time I had some uh, some extra ice. And there, there, oddly, there was always a couple of six packs in the ice house. <laughs> Almost like currency. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. How long were you in Vietnam? Uh, one week short of a year, and I've I've never quite understood why I got to come home a week early. Nobody's ever explained that to me. It didn't seem to be common at the time, uh, but the orders came in a, w- in a week early, and I didn't argue with them. Okay, so there was, uh, according to some of the background that I read, there was a what I would describe as a seminal event on your last day in country which affected you a great deal. Well, it, yeah, and it, it, uh, our base camp, we left on a Wednesday. We, uh, on Thursday, we're waiting for a plane home, and one of the guys uh, made a call back to the base for something. And he came running in, and he said, the base has been overrun. And he ticked off five names of guys who had been killed. Uh, guys that I, I say I had lunch with yesterday were dead today. And we were all just in shock from this. Um, so I've found it interesting in reflecting on this over the years that my first day in Vietnam was traumatic and my last day in Vietnam was traumatic. Everything in between is kind of a blur, just to some degree. Uh, But those two days stand out vividly, and I've, I've always wondered why I got to go home a week early and these guys didn't get to go home at all. Interestingly, when I got when we got home, a number of years later, my wife insisted that we go down to the dedication of the uh, wall in Washington, D.C., and I didn't want to go. I was not one of these anti-wall guys. I didn't believe in this, the black gash of shame stuff that some people talked about. That was not, not my issue. My issue was I wanted to put it all behind me. I didn't want to do this. And being ever more prescient than I am, she dragged me down there and uh, she knew it would, was important. And actually, that pretty much led to what, you know, to this conversation today, because it was an amazing experience, although I was still kind of angry about it on the first day. And over the course of the next few years, I was able to go down, see the wall, and look up these names, these five names in the book they have down there. And uh, for those who don't know, there are large books at the wall, and you can look up the name of anybody whose name is on the wall and find out where its name is located on the wall. And there were only four names. So one of those five guys survived. And that was like a, a weight off my shoulders. You know, this is 1985 by this point. So from 1968 to 1985, I'd had this kind of thing that I was carrying around. These five guys died, and, and, and I didn't. Why is that? What happened? But then there was an amazing feeling of relief when I found out that the one guy had survived. Uh, and, and all of that led to a few years later going to the dedication of the Maryland Vietnam Memorial. 
And I remember standing there in the crowd, still being a bit ambivalent uh, about whether it was okay to be there, whether Vietnam memorials were a good thing, whether, whether uh, is anybody else doing anything. And this was 1989 by this time. And I determined that I was going to find out. Now, I was still working at the time, but I started doing a little bit of research, and I started poking around at ones that were local. In fact, I took a trip from uh, my home in Maryland to 200 miles northwest of Fairbanks, Alaska uh, in 1989, and I I drove. And I went with a buddy of mine, and he had to sell a house up there, so I was going up to help him prep that. And the deal was that any place we could find a Vietnam memorial, we would stop and visit it. And we found a few. So we stopped and we visited it and I photographed them. And I discovered a couple of things. Uh, Number one, that I wasn't a very good photographer. And I didn't have very good equipment. And uh, my, my rationale was that Ansel Adams could probably take beautiful pictures with my equipment but not so much me. So in the ensuing years, because I didn't retire for almost another 20 years at that point, I tried to learn a little more about photography, tried to get a little better at it, and tried to upgrade my equipment a little bit. And uh, after I retired, uh, I took, I told my wife that I was going to take six months off because I worked in a very, very difficult place. I was in a school for uh, emotionally disturbed adolescence for 25 years and uh, the the place was actually uh, often kind of violent. Things happened. Uh, So I told my wife I'm going to take six months off and then I'm going to start this journey and that's exactly what happened. And I had thought that I might take photographs for three years and now we're going into the 11th year. So (laughs) all of that was a surprise. Um, And the original plan was to do a book. And then I kept talking to people who were published writers, and they all said, oh, you have to have an online presence. You have to have an online presence. And my reaction was, oh, man, I don't want to learn that. I don't want to do something else. I want to go take my photographs. And uh, but I became convinced, and uh, the, the website A Means to Heal uh, was born, which kind of pushed the book aside for a number of years. Well, it's and almost like you, like you know, decided to take this journey to chronicle it with photographs, and it's it's almost like the book followed that. It, well, the other thing I figured is that for for whatever reason, I was able to go visit these places. I'd been to every state at least once, and some states more than once, and some states many more times than once. Uh, And for whatever reason, because of the good fortune or something, I was able to do that. And I had an understanding that many, many, many people would not be able to do that. You know, the traveling wall was developed to try to let people who would never get to Washington, D.C., get to see the wall. In fact, the, the official version, as I call it, is called The Wall That Heals. That's sponsored by the Vietnam Veterans Memorial Fund, who are the same people who built the wall in D.C. And, you know, these walls travel around the country. And it occurred to me that a book form of that, if you will, might be useful also, uh, that there would be lots of people who not only couldn't get to D.C., but if they were in California, they might not ever get to Vermont. And so I could do something about that. I could go to these places and I could make these photographs and put them in, as I say, originally in a book, it became an online presence and now has come back again to the book, which is, uh, we're in the last editing stages of the book. I've, uh, I've gone through the proof and there are a few changes that need to be made and I'll be sending them off to my publisher soon. And, uh, from there we'll see what happens. Uh, See whether any, see whether I was right. See whether anybody wants this book. <laughs> well, perhaps that answers your question that you had earlier. Why me? Well, uh, you know that has been suggested to me. And uh, while I'm not the world's greatest believer in the fates and stuff, I also have no argument for that. <laughs> so I'm I'm hopeful that um, I, I heard from a guy. I was on a plane with a guy a number of years ago, and we're chatting back and forth and. We talked about this a little bit. and uh, Later, after I was home for a while, I got an email from him. And up until this time, Doug, I would have said that this book was about the things we've talked about, 
but also about my finding some way to deal with my own Vietnam stuff. Uh, whatever I was carrying around, this was a way to, to deal with it. And I believed that for a long time until I got this email. And this email said, I'll, I'll never forget it. In fact, I've cl- included it in the foreword of the book. Or, or, um, and he said, I've been in therapy for PTSD twice a week for longer than I care to remember. But after seeing your site, and he's talking about the online site, of course, I know I'm going to get well. And that was so stunning to me. Oh, my goodness. That's what this is all about. I know this isn't proper English, but if that ain't compelling, (laughs) I don't know what is. What do you think of that, Andrea? Every story you bring is, I I would use the words, breathtaking. Okay. (laughs) Seriously. I mean, yeah, like we said before, you you give us a glimpse of stories that we don't know if we're not attached to. So it's really fantastic, the service that you provide. There's been a lot of variety in this year. We did the uh, virtual tour of the Purple Heart mm-hmm. Hall of Honor in New Windsor. We did uh, Purple Heart Homes, which is uh, an outfit out in North Carolina, started by two wounded warriors that now builds and refurbishes homes for guys. We did uh, Tunnels to Towers. Okay, we got that. We got, uh, we got a bunch of stuff, including ATI, which is we have another one for you next uh, next show, which is going to feature the uh, the uh, service dog program, so it's been a blast. I mean, uh, I, I do this out of love, and I do this out of a sense of service for the veterans. If you've noticed a difference, let's talk vets. This month is a live version. Doug is here in the studio. This is usually yes. packaged, pre-recorded. I'm here. I'm Andrea, yeah. the assistant manager. Oh, I because thought it I, is. I thought you were from the USO. <laughs> no, <laughs> it is the pledge drive. So it's a good time for us to chat a little bit behind the scenes to to honor the show and to ask you to honor the show with your donation. You know we are member-supported. We are non-commercial, so we rely on gifts from people like you. And we're lucky enough to have had this $250 matching cha- challenge from Don in New Paltz. We're happy to say that we did receive a call for $50. So we're just $200 short. We're about halfway through the hour. We're looking for $200 more, and together we could put $500 during this matching challenge. So the number is 845-482-4141. I am anxious to take your call, add your number to the tally here so we can work together and show some financial support for this special program that Doug puts together. Yep, I appreciate it. And and you guys and, and, and ladies out there, veterans, and your families, come on, help us out here because... This, like many other programs that you enjoy, uh, is only possible through the continued support that you generously give us every time. And there's the phone now, so hopefully it's a little bit more stuff. I'll tell you what we're going to do now. We're going to take some time and give you some news, okay? Yes, it is that part of the program. You're listening to Let's Talk Vets on WJFF in Jeffersonville, overlooking Lake Jefferson. The American Veterans Traveling Tribute Wall update. Well, as you probably know, you've heard it enough times here, the AVTT wall is coming to Sullivan County in September. This 360-foot replica of the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. will be available for viewing at Rock Park in Rock Hill from September 11th, beginning at 2 p.m., and it will remain open 24 hours a day until the 15th at 2 p.m. 
This is made possible by the Sullivan County Veterans Coalition and is hosted by the Rock Hill Volunteer Fire Department. Volunteers will be on hand to locate friends and loved ones, relatives' names on the wall, and supplies will also be available to capture a rubbing of those names. Recently, we've learned there are some individuals pretending to be authorized representatives going door-to-door collecting money. The Sullivan County Veterans Coalition is not accepting cash donations. The only way to donate is a tax-deductible check in any amount made payable to SCVC Wall Fund and mailed to SCVC Wall Fund, P.O. Box 1527, Monticello, New York, 12701. You can also make a donation at any Jeff Bank, Catskill, Hudson, or Pex Market location. Questions or comments may be directed to Howie Goldsmith at goldsmithhowe at yahoo.com or 845-791-1030. Rocky Ortega, RQ Ortega at yahoo.com or 845-665-3171. Joseph Levi, One Combat Vet 2004 at yahoo.com or 612-408-8639 or Gary Hill at 845-292-0741. We just had we just had a call. I'm on yeah, other green. Yeah. <laughs> the other green one. Hello. Hi. We did anonymous in White Lake checking in. Cool. Making a donation in honor of veterans. She loves the show. She's making a donation in, in remembrance of all her family members who served World War One, World War Two, Korea, and the vets should be honored in any way that we can. So thank you, anonymous in White Lake. Absolutely. We've raised $100 so far. Wow. In just a half hour. We're looking to raise 250 and Don's going to match it. So we're $150 short only. That's just a little bit more than $10 a month. Yeah. It's actually yep. $18 a yep. month. No, yep. no. I got that wrong. $15 a month would be past where we need to be right now. So mm-hmm. if you can be a sound supporter, we'll sign you up $15 a month, and you'll help us make this goal wrap up this challenge. Eight four five four eight two four one four one. Doug, how do you go about getting all these stories and all these people? Well, when I started to do this, when I I had pitched this idea to a a, a commercial radio station, they were doing a Veterans Day special where they invited ten vets to come in and do one hour segments. And and you were one of and those. I was I was one of those for two years. And I pitched this. I said, you know, it's it's great to do this once a year with all the car sales and all the barbecues and the parades, but how about recognizing the vets all year long? Why don't we do a program periodically, like once a month, and talk about things of interest to veterans and give them some information? And I wrote it up, and um, it, uh, it it didn't fit their format. And that's commercial radio, and that's what you have to deal with. I'm not blaming them. They have to deal with it. That's how they make their money is by sticking to their format. Different different game. And getting uh, advertisers to spend money to advertise to the demographic that they're targeting. But this is different. So that didn't work. So when I came here to volunteer to take on the Thursday morning thing, I was here, uh, uh, Thursday morning board shift, I was here a little while, and I pitched the same pitch to Dan Rigney, who's the GM here, and in a moment of weakness and perhaps poor judgment, I don't know, we'll find out. <laughs> he said, that's a great idea. So here we are. And I just, I'll take any idea that I hear from anybody or I'll be watching the tube or something or hear something, and I just go after it. Right. And most of it, the people have been really good uh, getting back to us. I've had a few that I guess just don't have time and we're all busy and sure. I, I get and maybe it. you'll come back around to them. Yeah. Your dedication no. is obvious for no. the diversity of stories and they're all around the listening area i mean sometimes you get people on the phone here but there are plenty of times where you get in your car and drive all around yeah. to see certain memorials right. or, or different sites and we had we had two world war ii veterans that was another yep. show we did yep. we had we had a young lady who's 92 or 93 now um from the uk who was a 17 year old high school student when she joined the raf quit high school and we had a, a local fellow from Gramsville who was in the Battle of, Battle of the Bulge. And those were fascinating interviews as well. So 
and and on that note, we need you you folks to give us some ideas. Or make connections. Or yeah. make connections so that we can go out and pursue these stories, especially some of the veterans from um, the Second World War, Korea. These these folks are getting older, and it's and and we need to remember history. If we forget history, we're doomed to repeat the mistakes of the past. So we got to remember this stuff. We got to keep it in in people's um, awareness. Off the top of my head, Doug, I can't remember. Do you have a station email, or what's the best way to contact you? Yeah, it's it's it. I think it's vets vets at wjffradio.org. Vets mm-hmm. at wjffradio.org. Yep. If yep. Um, at any time you have a comment for Doug, or if you have a lead, or you know somebody that has a story to share, or an agency or organization that is doing something to honor vets, we yep. want to connect you with Doug so yep. he can connect your story with everybody. That hears us right now, and we did the um, we did the uh, VA uh, panel discussion on homelessness, vet homelessness, which was which was pretty fascinating. We are in a pledge drive here, so we are using this hour as a pledge drive edition of Let's Talk Vets. We have a two hundred and fifty dollar matching challenge for just this hour. This is something that we have to accomplish by 8 o'clock to be successful. It's $250 we're trying to match. We are only $150 short, which we can do this in 20 minutes, but we do need you to take part in it by calling 845-482-4141. We're going to go into the second half of the Mike Walsh Interview. Store yes. interview that yep. we were listening to. So fifteen is it the the second part is sixteen sixteen minutes. Seventeen minutes that we're gonna be off these mics yep. giving you the phone number. So please make sure that you have it so we can be on the phone with you while the story is being aired. We're hundred and fifty dollars short and, and only I know, have I know our veterans to do are, it. I know our veterans are gonna do this. So the number that you need to call while we hit this story, eight four five Four eight two four one four one or online wjffradio.org. We just need to find $150 more to have a successful challenge met here. Before we get into part two of that interview, did you know that the American Legion Post 1266 at 92 Pine Street in Wurtsboro is holding a fish fry? I did not know that. Well, when now is you that? Do. Well, funny you should ask. It's Saturday. This Saturday. July 27th. Okay, so two weeks, a little over two weeks from today. Right, and it's a military-style chow line and served by the veterans, including Gulf War veterans, BYOB, Takeout's Okay. All proceeds support local food banks and programs for veterans throughout Sullivan County. Twelve bucks a head. Call 701-1175. Of course, 845-701-1175. Okay. Thank you, Dad. All right, so let's uh, continue. Uh, as we said at the beginning, Mike Walsh is a photojournalist and author of a soon-to-be-published book, A Means to Heal. We're now going to rejoin Mike Walsh as he describes his quest to chronicle Vietnam memorials in all 50 of the United States. During that time, you must have had other very memorable events. Would you care to recount one for us? Well, the one I just talked about, of course, is the biggest. Uh, I had a, the Washington Post did a story, uh, I think it was in 2010 maybe, on this journey. And uh, one of the questions they asked was, what's your favorite memorial? And at the time, I responded, the one I'm standing in front of. And that's still true to a degree. However, there are some that stand out as as just being you just your 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 jaw drops. They're they're so insightful and so well thought out and and so uh, so well done. And one of those is in Frankfort, Kentucky, where they have built a. I believe I may get these dimensions wrong, but I believe it's a sixty foot square sundial. And that piece on a sundial that actually casts the shadow is called the Nonan. And they've, they've arranged the names of all of the lost from Kentucky in such a way that the shadow from the Nonan touches your name on the day you died. And that, to me, is just, is just a breathtaking thing. That's amazing. And, 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 and beneath the Nonan, there's a stone where they put all the MIAs. 
mm-hmm. because no shadow is ever cast there. Wow. And they take those names if a, if a uh, if if an MIA is repatriated, they they put the date next to his name, and then they also take his name and put it out on the plaza uh, where it belongs, so it will be touched. That stone lying under the under the nonen is finished on both sides, so that if all the MIAs are ever identified, they'll turn that stone over and it will be blank. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Exactly. And I find that just just breathtaking. How about um, the me- the memorial that I that I saw on your site, which is the angel uplifting a um, service member. Rose Rose Garden in uh, in Montana, uh, Rose Garden Park in Montana. That is actually one of the very first ones I ever photographed when I was traveling around in the uh, on this trip to Alaska in 1989, and I was just struck by that thing because to me that that angel uh, is, is bearded and he's rugged looking and he's one of us. He's a vet. And he's lifting up this 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 lost soldier, and they're making eye contact. And it gives me the chills just speaking about it. And the the thing that was interesting to me about that one is there's a big stone off to the side with the hundreds of names from Montana who were lost. And I was it really brought it home to me. Montana has uh, is 15 times larger geographically than uh than maryland and proportionately the number of names listed uh, um is just amazing it has fewer people than the county i live in but the state is 15 times bigger than my state and these hundreds of names brought home to me how much some states had to give big sky country right yeah, that's right. Just be a beautiful, beautiful place. And I, yeah. uh, the same fellow that I went to Alaska with uh, a number of years ago, at one point moved to Montana. So I went out and spent some time with him and found other memorials in Montana. Uh, in fact, he was. Uh, I went to his place in Missoula, which is um, where this particular memorial was, even though I had photographed it many years before. And that was actually the first I I developed a means to heal the website sitting in his living room. Wow. I made my very first post from his living room and we had driven down into Idaho and through Montana. And it was interesting to me because I had a brother at the time who's sadly passed now. And Denny and I were kind of diametrically opposed on everything, no matter what it was. We we thought the opposite of each other. And our relationship was based largely on on uh, emails and, and jokes and stuff back and forth, uh, saying, you know, how the world as we know it would come to an end if your guy gets elected. <laughs> and uh, so I sent off these. I, I made this first post to a means to heal, and then I sent off an email to a number of people, including my brother. And within minutes, I got an email back from him. And, and Dennis was a rather taciturn guy. He didn't have a lot to say, but he went on for several paragraphs in this email about how much he loved it and how proud he was and how proud our parents would be of this effort and that I had to finish it no matter what. And uh, I sat in my buddy's living room in Missoula, Montana, with tears running down my face because I thought, wow, here's a place where Denny and I can really get together and we can really enjoy something together and we can agree on something. And ten days later, Doug, he died. Really I was is. I was mad at the world for a while. And then I, you know, I took a step back and thought, listen, we had ten days where we were best friends, you know, and that was uh, that's a good thing to have, uh, rather than not having it and having him die ten days later. You know, so it's... Yeah. Um, this this journey has has led to so many different things that I never anticipated. That that reunion, if you will, with my brother, uh, this guy on the airplane who feels like he's going to get well. Uh, this is just this is just stuff you couldn't possibly imagine, or or you know even have 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 the gall to to wish for. Yeah. And yet there it is. 
So at the onset of this piece, I asked you who you were way back when, and I'll ask you now, so who are you now? Oh, man, Doug, I don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty much the same guy. I'm Maybe I should older. say, what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, you know, I went through a career of teaching and uh, went into you know, teaching very disturbed kids and hopefully helping a couple of them along the way. And uh, and then, you know, you retire and you think, well, okay, maybe I'm just going to take it easy now. And, you know, not so much for me. <laughs> I'm going to continue traveling and taking more photographs. In the last, uh, when I was up uh, in New York, uh, I also went through Pennsylvania and took some pictures, but just Ten days before that, I was in Massachusetts and then Rhode Island and then Connecticut, and uh, I'm still trying to accumulate as many of these things as I can to make a record of them. Uh, to some degree, this is a, a building a catalog of these memorials and, and, and trying to retain how we remember those who were lost. And I have to believe that with the, the email that you recounted, I have to believe that this project and this book is going to do similar things for um, a lot of other people. Well, I, I hope so. And, uh, you know, speaking with you and some of the other things that I've, I've done with regards to this, to me, is all about getting this information out to vets who don't know it yet. Right. And to understand that it took, you know, Vietnam vets have often felt like we, we were alone. And to some degree, that was true. When I came home, I, I never got spit on, but I had people call me baby killer within three days of my arrival back in the United States. And a couple of months later, while I was still in the Army, I came home to register for college because I was going to get out in time to start in the fall semester. And people wouldn't stand in line with me. Yeah, yeah. And so we, we've come a long way. Yes, we that, have. I think. And, yeah, now it's uh, actually popular to be a Vietnam vet. Some of our politicians are claiming that they have been, even one from Connecticut that uh, never was. Um, well, so. yeah, and I, I know that story, and I, I have a similar one. I was I was standing at um, the Arizona State Memorial in Phoenix, and as I'm photographing it, I noticed this guy come into the park behind me. And I recognize this guy. He's roughly my age. He's roughly as overweight as I am. Got long hair to his shoulders. And I'm thinking, okay, I, I, I know this guy. But it was just, I just noticed him as he came in. So I'm taking my photographs. And then later I'm walking through the park and I come across this same fellow standing at the uh, Purple Heart Memorial. So I waited back. Uh, to give him time, and he said, oh, come on up, you know. So I went up, and I'm talking to him, and at one point, he says to me, I have 22. And I said, 22 what? And he says, 22 Purple Hearts. 11 from Vietnam and 11 from Desert Storm or some something. And I'm going, who are you, you know? And I'm thinking, this is really something. And then he goes on to say, yeah, he's got a couple of... Uh, uh, medals of honor, you know, those kind of things. And I said, well, can I ask your name? And he gave me his name, you know, and all of this. And I thought, I'm writing a story in my head for the website. As this is going on, I'm composing this story about how I met this guy. So I'm staying in Tucson at the time. So on my way back from Phoenix to Tucson, which is you know, an hour and a half, two-hour drive, I'm thinking about this, and I'm writing the story, and I'm really excited. I'm going to be able to tell this guy's story. But this this little bit of doubt began to creep into my mind. When I got back to uh, Tucson, to the hotel, I immediately fired up the computer and went to the uh, Purple Heart website. And no such guy. It doesn't exist. And the greatest number of Purple Hearts ever awarded was seven, as it turns out, not, not 22. So I thought, well, okay. So I go over to the Medal of Honor website, and he's not there either. And so now I'm kind of crestfallen because my story is gone. This whole wonderful story I was going to tell was gone. And uh, at the same time, on this same trip, 
I ran across a book online called Stolen Valor. Um, you may well be familiar with it. Yes, I am. About this this very thing you're talking about, about people claiming to be Vietnam veterans who, who are not. So actually, sometime down the road, was able to take that experience and turn it into a story more based on the stolen valor aspect. And I mentioned this guy in Connecticut at the time, and that how how it was... It is now almost practically mandatory to be a Vietnam vet or have Vietnam in your background to run for office in this country. And I thought, boy, have we come a long, long way. And, uh, and, and you know, in a way, that's a good story, too. Yeah, it is. And, and when people ask me, I tell them, yeah, I served overseas in Minot, North Dakota. <laughs> It ain't. We used to say it ain't the end of the world, but you can see it from there. <laughs> anyway, it was a yeah, lot better than being in the bush. I think. Well, you know, I often think that you know my own experiences in um, pale compared to some people's. Uh, but at that time, there were nine guys working in the background somewhere in support in country for every one guy carrying a rifle and sloshing through the rice paddies. And, uh, you know, Dennis, we went up and down the Mekong River. We had, um, you know, our fair share of difficulty, uh, particularly when you came to hairpin turns and you had to really slow down or if you were passing by a hamlet or something, something might happen. But, but having said that, it was nothing like the guys I consider the heroes of Vietnam, the guys who, who spent all the time out in the bush and, uh, that 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 ten percent is uh, is, an, is a, an especially amazing group of people. Well, Mike, can you leave us with uh, leave our listeners and especially the vets who might be listening to this show? We hope with um, one one parting thought. Well, I think to to kind of reiterate something I said before is, is that we we are not alone. These memorials that I visit and write about, somebody had to conceive the idea. Somebody had to plan it and design it. Somebody had to build it. Somebody has to maintain it. And millions and millions and millions of people have visited these memorials. Uh, The the Vietnam Memorial in Washington, D.C. is the most visited thing in Washington, D.C., even all these years later. And what that says to me is we are not alone. And there are a lot of people out there who care, and there are a lot of people who've made an effort to, if, you know, the country was in turmoil during Vietnam, and our reception home was not, was not warm and welcoming. But the country, in an unorganized, kind of haphazard set of events, has found a way, if not quite to apologize, but to say, welcome home. And I hope that anybody who's listening might go to amenstoheal.org and check out some of the I checked it this morning. There, by July fourth, there will be 733 posts up there, and I uh, hope they'll check out uh, the site and find something that uh, that they enjoy. I, I can't thank you enough for the time that you've spent with us. It's um, it's been a great conversation. When will the book be available in stores? Do you think? I am hoping by Veterans Day. But I've hoped before. <laughs> the, uh, the, uh, the publishing process is absolutely stunning to me, how difficult it is. You know, and I, I used to say I'd give anything to get rejected because you can't get anybody to even look at your stuff. Yeah. And I was whining about this online one day. I, I was saying that, uh, you know, if somebody said to me, if some publisher said to me, if they said, Mr. Walsh, your photographs stink, and you write like a third grader. I wouldn't like that, but I could do something about it if I chose to. But you can't even yeah. get that. So one of my readers got back to me and said, hey, I know a guy. And uh, the guy contacted me, and he said, I promise to give you an honest read, and I'll tell you what I think. So I sent it off to him, and he sent it back, and he was extremely enthusiastic and then he said, and by the way, I'm an editor with, with uh, so-and-so publishing, and I want to publish your book. So it's another one of those little you know, events, uh, kismet, something you don't expect. Well, I'm going to ask you two things to promise me and this audience. Number one, 
let me know when the book's coming out. Also, the next time you're up in our area, New York, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, let me know so that I can hook up with you and and uh, do a follow-up to this piece. I would love that, okay. and I certainly appreciate you taking the time to speak with me today. Uh, my, this whole journey for me is about getting this information out to other veterans, Okay, and, and something like this is, is going to be a great help, I'm sure. Well, thank you, Mike. Thank you, Doug. Well, I don't know about you, but I thought that was pretty interesting. And uh, we thank Mike for his time, and I'm looking forward to uh, seeing that when it comes out. So, You're listening to Let's Talk Vets on WJFF Radio in Jeffersonville, and we're in the middle of a pledge drive. And thank you, the phones are ringing pretty much off the hook. Well, I wouldn't go that far. Okay, the phones are ringing. <laughs> But I do want to thank Anonymous in South Fallsburg. Doug, I was in the other room. I don't know if you announced that we were just $100 short. No, I didn't, but that's good. So go ahead and say that. We're just $100 short. No, no, no. We're only $40 short. $40. $40 short with four minutes to do it in. We have a $250 matching challenge from Don in New Paltz for this hour of Let's Talk Vets. We heard from Anonymous in South Fallsburg who added to her sound supporter. Uh, ship and so then we get to take that addition which will be five dollars times 12 (laughs) doug is handing me something hold on um and so anonymous in south fallsburg really appreciates the doug doug sandberg show uh she's looking forward to next month when we talk about the ati service day service dog and um, she also wants to give a shout-out to Midge Maroney, who used to also be in the Wednesday night rotation for her programming. So thank you, Anonymous. $40 away. All this, Three minutes. All this is made possible by your generous donations. And and we're, we're so close. 40 bucks, And, uh, I mean, it's, it's a bottle of good wine. I mean, <laughs> Did you say a bottle of good wine? A bottle of good wine or two, two or three bottles of cheap wine. 845 <laughs> It's almost time for Neonatal Pulse. Yep. We have a $250 matching challenge. We've heard from three anonymous folks so far. Oh, I'm sorry. The first one was not anonymous, and I never read the, the comments. But we are only $40 short after three phone calls. $40 is what we're looking for in the next three minutes, 845-482-4141. Please find $40. Give us a call. The first donation was in memory of the donor's father and uncles, Ralph, Pete, and Gus, all veterans of World War II. Indeed. Well, I want to thank you guys for stopping by tonight and, and girls. Thanks for stopping by and, and spending an hour with us. Uh, we enjoy doing this, and uh, you know we're going to continue doing this as long as God willing that I have the the uh, the ability to do this. And I want to thank you for um, putting up with us. This is our twelfth show, and uh, I hope to be talking to you next year when it's our twenty fourth show. So. Uh, well, it's been a great hour. I think that was a great piece. I hope you will agree. And as Andrea said, uh, we're 40 bucks away. And the number to call is 845-482-4141. You've been listening to Let's Talk Vets. I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. And thank you for joining us again. Please let your friends know about this program and share with us your comments and suggestions for future shows. Also, send us your upcoming events so we may get them on the air both in our normal public affairs segments and on this program. And we were very proud tonight that this is our first anniversary, and thank you for your support. You can email me at vets at wjffradio.org, or you can leave us a message on the voice box at 845-431-6500. Until next time, I'm your host, Staff Sergeant Doug Sandberg. Thanks for listening. Thank you for your service. And company dismissed.
Support comes from you and from the River Reporter newspaper in Narrowsburg, New York, riverreporter.com. Support comes from you and from Wayne Memorial Hospital and Wayne Memorial Health System. More than 200 health care providers serving residents in Wayne, Pike, and eastern Lackawanna counties in Pennsylvania and the upper Delaware region of New York State. WMH.org. You are listening to WJFF Jefferson.